stand with me if you would. 348 as we get started tonight. 348. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. 348. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and So happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me does continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever. I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of Him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent, His love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night redeemed, redeemed redeemed by the blood of the Lamb redeemed redeemed his child and Across the page, 347, 347. Home to Zion, we are bound, happy in the love of Jesus. Peace abiding, we have found, happy in the love of Jesus. Trusting we will forward go, happy in the love of Jesus, treading, changing paths below, happy in the love of Jesus, happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day, happy, happy, happy in the love of Jesus. We will sing salvation song, happy in the love of Jesus, all our pilgrim way along, happy in the love of Jesus, happy, happy. 
happy in the love of Jesus. We don't often do this, but just turn to page one, page 349. A new name in glory. Beautiful song. They all kind of go together, so we'll sing them right along. I was once a sinner, but I came, parted to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that He always kept His word. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. When the white robed angels sing the story, a sinner has come home. For there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, never more to roam. I was humbly kneeling at the cross, fearing not but God's angry frown. When the heavens opened and I saw that my name was written down, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story, a sinner has come home, for there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, never more to roam. How many of you believe what you've just been singing? All right, sing it out. Here we go. In the book is written, saved by grace, all the joy that came to my soul. Now I am forgiven, and I know by the blood I am made whole. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the white robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home, for there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, never more to wrong. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can know our name is written down. We thank you for this wonderful book called the Bible. We thank you that we do not have to lean upon our own understanding or our own abilities or our own interpretation, but we can simply read from your word the truths that are therein. And by faith, we can know heaven is our home, Jesus is our Savior, and our sins are forgiven. Lord, we ask you to guide us into the study of your word this night. And, Lord, that we would leave from this place better equipped, better able to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And um, just want to remind you, Sunday is our annual business meeting and dinner. And so uh, make sure you bring some food with you, uh, something 
to share, and uh, this is what we call a potluck dinner. And uh, that means everybody brings a pot, and if you're lucky, you'll get a taste of every pot there, right? And uh, it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, we've enjoyed that. We're going to try to put some uh, planning for the coming year. Uh, the Lord changed a few things that we had on the schedule, and uh, uh, Memorial Day uh, weekend, we're going to be having a special speaker. Normally, we wouldn't get a person like this. He was instrumental. Uh, we've been praying for First Baptist Church in Baghdad, and uh, he is the man that God has used to kind of put that thing together. Now, he's not the uh, Iraqi pastor of that church, but he was the head of the ordination council and and uh, has been just kind of like his link uh, here to the United States and has helped uh, him uh, repeatedly. He's a good, good friend, um, um, a man that just loves church planning. And uh, so we'll have him in probably start like on Thursday before the 25th, still confirming the dates and go right through that Sunday uh, Memorial Day weekend and... Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, I've been trying to get the uh, street fair schedule for this summer. And uh, I went to the website and they said, schedule coming soon. And I'm saying, wow, schedule coming soon. It's January and this first street fair is like in April. And uh, they're saying schedule coming soon. So you pray about that, that that schedule gets here sooner than later. And uh, we're able to get all the permits and and uh, things put together for that. Uh, we're working on uh, getting the quotes in uh, for the renovations and uh, a lot of work like that. And we'll be talking about that uh, on Sunday. So make sure you're here. Don't forget Saturday, regular visitation, have prayer meeting, uh, 4 o'clock, and uh, then the special uh, dinner and business meeting. And we one thing we've got to get on the schedule, and I'm not quite sure how to do it, and so you'll be thinking, but we need some more fe church fellowships than what we've been having, um, uh, which is only once in, uh, every once in a while. So let's uh, uh, just be thinking how we can do that, and, uh, and we'll try to put some things on the schedule and, uh, and make that happen. And so just be in prayer about that as we... Uh, look at all of these things that uh, the Lord is doing and we want Him to do. And uh, the last thing I want you to pray about is we have about two more lessons, I believe, in this series. And uh, I am really thinking about and have been praying for quite a while starting the book of Hebrews. Uh, the only problem is uh, that's going to take uh, at least till Christmas. Uh, maybe a little longer to go through the book of Hebrews because, I mean, it is, um, it is the key to understanding the Bible as one book. It, it just it puts everything together, and there's so much in that book. I mean, we could just, uh, it, you, could spend, you could spend a whole Thursday night on just uh, any one of literally dozens of verses. I mean, uh, it, it sounds like 52 lessons or 50 lessons is an awful lot of lessons, but of course we won't have every Thursday night because of, of uh, different things going on during the year, and uh, we have some missionaries coming in and different things, but 
when you stop and think about the book of Hebrews, 50 lessons, it isn't very much. And so uh, I want you to pray with me about that because uh, I hate diving into something and uh, not doing it the right way. And so just uh, be praying about that if you would. All right, let's sing one more song and then we'll get into the Bible study tonight. How about 584? After talking about exploring the book of Hebrews, maybe we need to sing this song anywhere with Jesus. Amen. Amen. 584. As we sing it, we'll sing. Oh, let's sing all five verses. 584. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus I am not afraid. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus I need fear no ill. Though temptations gather round my pathway still. Tempted that he might help me. Anywhere with Jesus I may victor be. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus I am not alone. Other friends may fear me, he is still my own. Though his hand may lead me over dreary ways. I can safely go anywhere with Jesus over land and sea, telling souls in darkness of salvation free, ready as he summons me to go or stay, anywhere with Jesus when he points the way, anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know, anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus I can go to sleep When the darkening shadows round about me creep Knowing I shall wake and evermore to roam Anywhere with Jesus will be home sweet home Anywhere, anywhere fear I cannot know Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go seated and we're just going to pick up last two weeks ago actually two weeks ago uh, we did lesson number seven in our series people pictures of Jesus Christ these are pictures of Jesus Christ in the lives of individual people and uh, you'll notice if you've looked through your outline that Jonah is uh, on our, our our lesson. And I just wanted to just say something about Jonah, and we'll, we'll probably review it again when we get there, if we do tonight. But the reason why I didn't include Jonah in the people pictures of Jesus is because Jonah was just such a rotten example of a human being. 
I mean, he was running away from God, ended up in the fish's belly. He hated the people that God sent. That doesn't picture Jesus at all. Uh, so, and, and Jesus even says, Joseph, I mean, uh, Jonah was a sign. And uh, we'll be talking about that when we get there. So just so you don't think I've uh, lost uh, something that I probably never had to start with, um, you know, it's, these are physical pictures. We're not referring to the lives of individuals. We're talking about events, places, and things that picture the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, the most beautiful picture got messed up in the painting. That's the first one we're going to look at, the rock at Horeb in Exodus chapter 17. And we're going to just start there. Exodus chapter 17. Now, we'll just set the, the um, context for this, the story. Uh, Exodus chapter 12 was the Passover. Exodus chapter 13 and 14 was coming through the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 15 was rejoicing about the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 16 was the beginning of the, of the journey to Mount Sinai where God would give them the law. Chapter 17, we're a little farther along on that journey, and that's where we are here. They had journeyed from the wilderness of sin, and by the way, that was just the name of it. Uh, that was the name, in fact, uh, today, that's still called the Sinai Peninsula. It's almost the same word. And uh, it says, After their journeyings, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Now remember, this wasn't a group of 35 or 40 people. There were 600,000 people men who were old enough to be in the army. And that did not include their families. We're easily talking a group of people somewhere in the neighborhood of two to three million people, plus all of the livestock and everything else that they carried with them. Uh, it wasn't stopping at the roadside rest and turning on the water fountain and standing in line pushing the button. Well, I mean, have you ever done that? You had a whole group of people and you stand there and push the button while they line up. You, you didn't do that with two and a half million people, let's say. Um, you needed water. And uh, you needed a lot of water. And uh, I don't know how many of us have ever... I, <coughs> excuse me. I don't know that I've ever been in a situation like this. I mean, when if I'm going into uh, a wilderness area, I'll tell you I'm carrying uh, a lot of water with me. I'm, I'm carrying water purification tablets or a pot to boil it in and things to make a fire with. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be prepared. But this was uh, primarily when you were in the wilderness, there were places, oasis there uh, where the water was. And when there wasn't water, I mean, there was no water. It wasn't, Daddy, I'm thirsty. It was, my lips are cracked and bleeding. My animals are almost fainting because they don't have water. This was a serious situation. 
And uh, it says, Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that... Th that thou hast brought us up out of the land of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee the elders of the land of Israel and thy rod. Take with thee the elders of Israel, I'm sorry. And thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river Take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, this was some rock because there were about 70 elders of Israel. And so you had Moses and Aaron and 70 men standing on this rock, and uh, you had the rest of the two and a half or so million people standing at the base of this rock, and Moses lifts that rod up that he split the Red Sea with, and he strikes that rock. And all of a sudden, water begins to pour out of the rock. Now, I've read a lot of survival manuals, and... I haven't found one yet that said, go find a rock and hit it with a stick and you'll find water. It uh, doesn't work that way. This was a miracle that God did. And as God was supplying miraculously the needs of the children of Israel, He was teaching them some things. He was saying, now, number one, if you're going to get your needs provided, it's going to be my way, not your way. I'm going to lead you, and if I lead you to a place where there's no water, it's for a purpose. It's so I can show you that I can provide water where there is none. And God was trying to teach the children of Israel obedience. Because we know what's going to happen. How many of you know the story of the children of Israel? We get down to Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and they come to the land that God has promised them, and God has repeatedly... Will you obey me? He's repeatedly brought them into places. Now, God is teaching them this, but at the same time, He is teaching them to be obedient and to trust God no matter what. He is painting a beautiful picture for you and I. See, there's a lot of argument, even to this day, over Matthew chapter 16, when Peter was standing there and confessed that Jesus was the Christ. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And behold, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And a lot of people want to redefine who that rock is. The picture is the rock that was smitten gives the water of life. There is only one person in the Bible that could fit that picture. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was the one that was smitten. He was the one that died on the cross. And by the way, the water that came out of the rock was not just for 
the elders, or just for Moses. That water was for everyone and everything. And uh, there are people that say that they think they have found this rock over there. And even to this day, there is a gushing stream of water that comes out of this rock in the middle of the desert out there in the Sinai Peninsula. Now, I've never seen it, but I've heard that it's there. And uh, does that mean it's the same one? I don't know. Uh, but it could be. Amen. But God gave us a picture here. Now we're going to travel back in time, or travel forward in time about 40 years. And we're going to go to the book of Numbers, chapter 20. Numbers, chapter 20. You see, God had just started painting his picture, he hadn't finished yet. And old Moses messed it up. Verse 1. Now, this is 40 years later. And we start in verse 3, actually. Verse 2, actually. Let's say, And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have ye made us come up out of the land, out of Egypt, to bring us into this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. They fell upon their faces in the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. I want to stop right here and just get the context. They have been wandering in the wilderness now for nearly 40 years. Were they there because they had been obedient to God? Absolutely not. They were there because of their disobedience. God said, you spent 40 days searching the land of Israel and you refuse to believe me and obey me and go take it. Therefore, you're going to spend 40 years, a year for each day, wandering through this desert until you're all dead and your children are going to go in and take the land. They were a little upset about that, but whose fault was that? It was their fault, wasn't it? And they didn't have water again. Now, God had repeatedly supplied water. And yet, they're arguing and fussing, and it was like God had never done anything. He had been feeding them with manna every morning and quails every night. They had everything they needed. And yet, when the water ran out and they couldn't see it, you know, that's, it is a picture of the carnal Christian life. It's a picture of those who have trusted the Lord and refused to enjoy the things that God has for them. And so we come here in verse 7 it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. Now notice there it uses a masculine pronoun. The rock shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth 
to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord. Look what it says. And he was sanctified in them. God says, listen, I'm not going to have a part in what you're doing. And Moses missed out on the greatest blessings that God had for him because he got upset and messed up God's payment. You see, the rock, Jesus, was to be smitten once and water would come out. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He wanted him to speak to the rock the second time. He wanted to use this, and this was a different rock. He wanted to use this as an illustration, as a picture of Jesus Christ, how that he would be smitten once to pay the price of sin, all sin for all kind, and whosoever would call upon him or speak to that rock, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, would receive the water of life. Now, just show you how upset God was when Moses mixed, messed up his picture. God just came down immediately to Moses and Aaron. He said, you guys aren't going into the promised land. Now, we're talking about pictures of Christ, but you look at the picture of the children of Israel, Passover, salvation, Red Sea, baptism, getting the law of God and understanding the things of God is growing in the Christian life. Wandering in the wilderness is a Christian who refuses to obey God. Crossing Jordan River into the Canaan land is not a picture of heaven. I don't care what that song on Jordan's stormy banks I stand talks about. That's not heaven. It's a picture of the victorious Christian life. It's a picture of the rest that God has for the believer. What was the first thing they did when they went into the land of Canaan? They spent some time getting right with God at Gilgal, the rolling off of the reproach of the world, and then they fought a battle. We're not fighting any battles in heaven, amen? Jesus is going to fight those. But as long as we're alive on this earth, guess what you're going to do? You're going to fight battles. But when God fights them and you win, that's rest. When you go up and try to do it yourself like Ai, that's trouble. And God was trying to paint a picture here that regardless of where you are in your spiritual walk, if you'll come and speak to the rock, which is Jesus Christ, you will receive the water of life. Boy, that makes it simple, doesn't it? Doesn't that help you see that 
There's no church involved in your salvation. There's no group of men. There's no uh, priesthood or any of that thing. You come to the rock that has been smitten and call upon the name of the Lord and He gives you eternal life. And the Scriptures agree with the picture. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible always agrees. And when your pictures are painted properly, and the, there, there is several different things here. Number one, we are dying with sin. If we do not come to the rock that was smitten and believe on Him, we will die in our sins. If you, like Moses did, get a little eager to take care of things on your own or you have your own point to prove, Moses still went to heaven, but he missed out on the blessings. He missed out on the best that God had for him. And so we must be careful to sanctify the name of the Lord. That means to lift it up. God's name is special. If, if you're a person that goes around saying, Oh my God this or Oh my God that, you need to work on that. Because that's not how we use God's name. That's not how you, you should biblically call upon the name of the Lord. And uh, I don't care if it's something you've done all your life. I've met people that have said profanity all their life. We don't make excuses for them. We say, you need to let God get that thing fixed. Amen? And, uh, and we want to be careful about the name of the Lord. He is our rock. And all God's people said, picture number one. Picture number two. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 16. Manna. What is it? That's what manna means. Exodus chapter 16. And um, then we come here. Oh, let's, let's get to complaining here. Uh, verse 2. And the, and the whole congregation of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now you can go a whole lot longer than you think you can without food. Did you know that? I mean, most of us, if dinner's an hour late, I'm dying. I'm starving to death. If you go down south, there's a whole uh, chain of fast food gas stations called Starving Marvin. And, uh, and I'll tell you, you'd have to be starving to eat the stuff they serve there. It's awful. But... Um, I mean, fried everything, and it looks like it came from last year's grease. But uh, 
it's, it's pretty rough stuff. Uh, so if you see one of those starving Marvins, just remember what Pastor said and keep moving on to the next place. But um, they, they were all starving and they said, we're going we're gonna to die with hunger. Verse 4, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Now, God gave them a lot of different rules here about how the manna was to be gathered. They were to go out every morning early and get the manna because once the sun came up and the dew evaporated, so did the manna. When it came to the Sabbath day, they were to gather twice as much the day before because on the Sabbath, Saturday, there would be no manna. But if you decided on Monday night you wanted to keep the leftovers and save them for Tuesday so you didn't have to go out Tuesday, it says it bred worms and stank. So if you kept it Monday night to Tuesday night, it got rotten. But if you went out on Friday morning and gathered two days' worth and kept it Friday through Saturday, you had enough to eat until Sunday morning when the manna would begin again. Now, is that that complicated, Deborah? Do you think you could do that? You see, God made it simple so even a child could understand. But you read the story, and did the children of Israel obey? Absolutely not. And so they had to go through some hungry days and some stinky days until they got this thing straightened out. And uh, the book of Psalms tells us that God gave man the food of angels to eat. Now, that sounds like a pretty wonderful thing, doesn't it? Now, in John chapter 6, we're going to have Jesus make a comparison himself. Two manna. So let's go to John chapter 6. And uh, some of the most misused and abused and uh, misunderstood uh, verses in all the Bibles in John chapter 6. And it is a lengthy passage. And so we, we may or may not finish. If we don't finish tonight, then uh, we'll probably be three more weeks in in this study before we finish. But... We come down to verse 33, and uh, let's just set the, the again the context here. This is after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus has taken the five loaves and the, and the two fish, or uh, the, what was it? Uh, let me find out here. Five barley loaves and two small fishes. Verse 9. Yes, I thought I had it right. I always get the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 mixed up. But there were five barley loaves, five soda crackers, and two sardines. Now, that would be great for a little boy's lunch. Uh, but they'd have to be awful big soda crackers and awful huge sardines to feed 5,000 men, because, uh, including women and children. Uh, somebody did the... Uh, uh, did the work on that and said that uh, those uh, soda crackers would have had to have been about 100 feet long and the fish would have been about uh, 
anywhere between five and seven hundred pounds each to feed that many people. I'd hate to see the boy that carry that for lunch, wouldn't you? Uh, there was a miracle that was worked here. Jesus took a little boy's lunch, two sardines and five soda crackers, and fed all of these people with them. How many of you like the free lunch? I mean, don't you like it when you get something free? Especially if it's good. Well, these Israelites thought, man, why don't we just follow Jesus around and he could feed us like this every day and we wouldn't have to work anymore and we could just sit and listen to him preach? This would be heaven on earth. The only problem was when they got up the next morning, they couldn't find Jesus. So they got in boats and came and rushed to the other side and Jesus and the disciples were already there. And they start an argument here. Verse 27, Jesus says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him God the Father hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Now that would be a beautiful question, the greatest question in all history if it had only been honest. It wasn't an honest question. Because here's what Jesus said. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe? What dost thou work? Now, I'm sorry, but excuse me, Mr. Idiot. That's a medical term for someone that doesn't have the brains of a plant. What had Jesus just done yesterday? He had fed 5,000 men plus women and children with a little boy's lunch. And they're asking for a sign. You know, when you refuse to believe what God has already done, He is under no obligation to do anything again. Amen? And that's what was happening here. And Jesus is going to... Um, I don't want to say play a joke because He wasn't... Jesus was not joking. And that's not what happened. Jesus was going to take their little minds and tie them in knots, braid them, so to say, and hand them back. Uh, kind of like a group of American scientists one time. They came up and they felt they had invented the world's smallest drill bit. And so they took the world's smallest drill bit and put it in a package and sent it to some engineers in Germany and said, look what we've done, the world's smallest drill bit. The German engineers drilled a hole in the world's smallest drill bit and tapped threads into it and then sent it back to the Americans. And uh, if, if you're into machine shop work, that's hilarious, if you know what that's talking about. But uh, uh, they just literally made fools of them is what they did. And that's what Jesus is about to do to these guys that are chasing after the food. Jesus is not interested in giving you a free lunch. Salvation is free to you, but it costs an awful lot. It's free. And the only reason it's free is because the whole of humanity, if we took everything that we have 
every good deed that could be accomplished in all of history by all of mankind, it would not be enough to get one human being into heaven. But what Jesus did was enough for anyone, for whosoever will. And so we come here and we look down here and they say, we want to see a sign. And they said, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, you know, God the Father gave manna to the children of Israel for 40-some years. Now, Jesus, can you match that one? If you can match that gift, then you must be, uh, you must be from God. We want to be fed the rest of our lives. Peter, it's not that funny, okay? Then Jesus said unto them, Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Now, they didn't catch what He said. They said unto Him, they say... They then said they unto him, verse 34, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Hey, Lord, we want that bread that came down from heaven. Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. And we come down here and Verse 41, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then? He saith, I came down from heaven. And so we're going to skip down for the sake of time to verse uh, 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing here? He is just about to drive these guys stark raving mad. Now, he's going to explain it in a minute. But they're saying, Lord, we want that bread that came down from heaven. Jesus said, I'm the bread. Now, let's start here in verse 52. The Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, you know, if we, if we Baptists are a little ornery, it's, it's because we take after our Lord a little bit. No. Uh, I mean, you've got to get what he's doing here. He is just taking them and tying them up in knots and trying to, uh, as Jesus always did, he gave understanding to those who wanted it and confusion to those who didn't want to understand the truth. So that when he was done, those who wanted the truth had more of it, and those who didn't, they were just so far out in left field 
I mean, they didn't know what was going on. They were so confused. They were just shaking their head back and forth. They were, uh, they were saying, you can't listen to this guy. He's absolutely stark raving mad. But let me ask you a question. Was Jesus mad? Was he mentally deficient? Did he know exactly what he was saying and why he was saying it? You bet he did. Now let's go through this. Verse 53. Jesus is turning up the heat. Then Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life into you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Now they were going crazy. They said not only does he want us to eat his, eat his flesh, he wants us to drink his blood. We're not cannibals. This is crazy. This is insanity. This isn't in the Bible. The Bible says we're not supposed to do this. And they are just... Uh, the little joke we used to say in high school was, a uh, man who is beside himself. Make very interesting picture. And uh, these guys, I mean, they were just losing it. And uh, verse 59 says, These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, his disciples, when they heard this, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Now, that's a really nice way of saying this guy's crazy. Who can, I can't even listen to him talk anymore. When Jesus knew it in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? Are you upset that I said that? Did I upset you? Don't you love the Lord? What and if he shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Now, this is one of the reasons we know that Jesus is not talking about physically eating his flesh and drinking his blood because he says, listen, you're going to see me ascend up into heaven where I was before and that's going to be more fantastic to you than what I'm talking to you about now. Now, look at verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The Spirit is what makes alive. That's what the word quickeneth means. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit. And they are life. One of the few places in the Bible where Jesus was spiritualizing the text a whole lot of people have gone down through history and taken it literally. And the places where the Bible was meant to be literal, they go and they spiritualize it so they can change the meanings. Jesus isn't saying you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood to have salvation. But you must be a partaker of Jesus Christ and that is the work the Holy Spirit does when you come to the rock and speak to it. You drink the water of life. Amen? The death that Jesus died on the cross 
becomes your payment for your sins. That's a work that God does. No human being steps into that work. And Jesus is saying, the words that I speak unto you are what? They're spirit. I'm talking to you about spiritual things here. You're not going to physically eat my flesh and physically drink my blood. His blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven. Amen? His flesh was given to die on the cross one time for all sins forever. But in order for you and I to enjoy the things that Christ has for us, we have this thing called manna. Amen? It's the bread that God gives us. It's the spiritual bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Jesus quoted that verse when he was talking to the devil. He said, I am the living bread. He said, I've given myself for you. When we get into the spiritual pictures, the tabernacle, we're going to spend some time talking about how that Jesus is pictured in this book called the Bible. This is the written Word of God. He is the living Word of God. This is how you get saved. You cannot get saved without somebody opening this book called the Bible and telling you what the Bible says. Now, they don't have to open it up and put it right down in front of you. And there's some crackpots out there. I mean, I love the King James Bible. I don't use any other version in the English language. Never have, and by God's grace, never will. But they say, if you don't get saved using a King James Bible, you don't get real salvation. Crackpot. God's Word is God's Word, even if it's been messed with a little bit. It's still in there, and if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God will excuse you for using the wrong version. Now, you don't have any excuse as a member of this church or someone that attends here to go out and get one of those perversions and use it. Amen? Uh, you know better. And, and we've spent Bible studies on Thursday night going through week after week all of the reasons why we should use this Bible, and maybe we'll do that again sometime in the near future just to refresh us on that and, and all the reasons for that. But here we have the bread that gives life. Manna gave life to the children of Israel. Jesus gives life to all that believe on him. The bread came down from heaven. Manna, every morning. Jesus came down from heaven to give us eternal life. Amen? You must gather that manna every day. If you're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you must feed upon him the written word every day. If you try to store up and read 50 chapters today and let it wait until tomorrow, guess what? It's going to spoil. It's not going to take you through. You need it every day. And there may be times when, uh, and there has been times in history 
We live in the most wonderful time in the world. We have pews full of Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, I'll give you one. We've got a cabinet full of them downstairs. You realize 500 years ago, only the preacher might have part of a Bible. Even 25 years ago in the former Soviet Union, many churches did not have whole Bibles, just parts of them, because they were against the law. You got caught with a Bible in Queen Mary's England, and they would burn the Bible in the sticks at, their, at your feet that they used to burn you alive. Now that sounds really strange to a church that claims to teach the Bible or why they would burn the Bible and the person that had it. You know, this thing is we as individuals, just as the children of Israel, every one of them had to go out and get it. And as you read, if you read the... Uh, we're going to end right here. We don't have time to go any further. But if you read Exodus chapter 16, they were to gather uh, a certain amount for each pe each person in the family. And that was to be measured out. And it said, him that gathered much didn't have anything over. And he that gathered a little didn't lack anything. That's a picture of Jesus Christ. Amen. When you get salvation... If you got a whole lot of sins and a whole lot of problems, guess what? He saves you completely. If you've got a few sins and a few problems, you get saved as a little child, He saves you just as completely. Jesus is no respecter of persons. The bread is always sufficient. Amen? That's a picture of Jesus Christ. And that's how it pictures Him. And we have to understand that what Jesus was simply doing here in John chapter 6 is taking those that had already seen and refused to believe and tying their unbelief up in little knots so that they would be so confirmed in their unbelief that they would never trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, why did he do that? Because you must have a personal faith in Jesus Christ alone. And if you're going to try to stick anything in there, it's only going to lead to confusion. We looked at two pictures. The rock that was smitten once, and if you speak to it, you get water. The bread that came down from heaven. It's not a perfect picture, because the people that ate the first bread died. But the people that partake of this bread will live forever. And that bread is the spiritual bread that Jesus has paid for on the cross. It is the Word of God. And we obey the words. That's what faith is. Faith is simple obedience to to the words written in this book. When you believe it, enough to obey it. That's faith. That's how simple it is. Amen? And that's 
what believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is all about. Now we've got three more pictures here. The brazen servant, serpent, the healing tree, and Jonah. And again, we're not using the person of Jonah, but we're using the things that happened to him. That's what Jesus said. He was a sign. It was what happened to him. And that's why we're dealing with the physical pictures of Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. And Lord, we thank you that these pictures are in your word, painted with the brush of history. And even though they were marred by the sin of the people you were using to paint them, we can still see past that clearly to understand what you have for us today. Lord, we pray that you would give us a true understanding of your word. Lord, we pray that if there be uh, anyone with us tonight that does not know you as their Savior, that, Lord, you would work in their hearts and lives and that they would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you to do your work in each of our hearts and lives. Draw us closer to you. Help us to remember to partake of that bread each and every day. But help us to understand that the work that is done is your work and not ours. Lord, we pray that we would come to that rock and speak and receive the water of life. We ask you to work in each heart during this time of invitation. Before we finish that prayer, just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you need to come to the altar and pray, we just ask you to step out of your seat and spend a few moments there. We're not going to be long tonight, but we want to give you that opportunity.